Hello there, and welcome to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Abuja, Nigeria, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we dive into the draw for the final stage of the 2018 FIFA World Cup qualifiers for Africa. Group B is the group of death with Cameroon, Algeria, Nigeria, and Zambia, but Senegal have a much easier-looking draw, and we talk to fans in Senegal. Yeah, of course, I team team is very good. I have good players. You play in the Premier League. I believe that. Also, we catch up with what's happening on the transfer market. Southampton have sold two African players: Sadio Mane to Liverpool and Victor Wanyama to Tottenham. We assess how they might do at their new clubs. And Stuart has the second part of a profile of one of Africa's all-time greats, Didier Drogba. In Ivory Coast, he has worked for peace, trying to unite the north and south of his country. Well, last weekend the draw was made for the final stage of the 2018 FIFA World Cup qualifiers for Africa. There are five groups of four teams, with the winners of each group making it to the tournament in Russia. The first games will be in October, and Group B is the group of death, with Cameroon, Algeria, Nigeria, and Zambia. In Group A, there's Tunisia, Libya, DR Congo, and Guinea. Group C has Morocco, Ivory Coast, Gabon, and Mali. Group E has Ghana, Egypt, Congo, and Uganda. And Group D has Senegal, South Africa, Burkina Faso, and Cape Verde. It's not a bad-looking draw for Senegal, who reached the quarter-finals in 2002, but haven't qualified since then. Their new coach is former player Aliou Cisse. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Mamadou Ba has been in Senegal. He spoke to fans in Dakar about the draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This group is very, very, very difficult. So, I see Senegal have a, a very, very good team. Yeah. Do you think Senegal can, you know, top the group and qualify for Russia 2018? Yeah, of course. I team team is very good. I have good players. You play in the Premier League. I believe that. Ah, uh, my name is Pap Malik J. How do you see the draw for the Leo de Taranga? I think that it will be it it will not be really happy, but uh, it's not be not difficult like the the other other groups. Normally, with the the, the quality of the player Senegal have, normally will we will have to make a good competition because we have a good player in England in in Champions League in uh, England's league uh, like Sadio Mane, like Sheikh uh, Kouyaté, and the other. Player, they are all time playing in their club, and then they become more and more good. Most people are of the view that um, Senegal have very good players, but uh, when they come as a group, um, they don't have a good team. We see that uh, two at two times or at three, three times at the qualification, no problem. But when they arrive at the competition, uh, they have problem. I think that it is the normally the problem of management, of problem of organization. And then I feel with Alusise, we we arrive to to make better than what we do now to to, to growing up. We are here at the Stade Mbajop um, to witness the training session of uh, Senegalese Premier League team. Nyaritali, um, what's your name? Mohamed J. Uh, Mohamed, um, we've seen um, the World Cup draw um, some few few days ago, and Senegal group in the group D alongside Cape Verde, Burkina Faso, and South Africa. How do you see um, the group? I mean, it's not easy, but at the same time. 
it's not a it's not a difficult group because uh, like uh, South Africa is is an average team. Cabo Verde is also an average team. You have to play at their field, so it's not a it's not an easy group really. But it's all right though. It's all right, yeah. I think that is a good uh, good draw for Senegal. I think that our team is the favorite uh, in the group, but they 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 try to win at the at the field because in 2008 against Gambia we are favorite, but you are draw here, draw in Gambia and out of the World Cup. Okay, uh, it's 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 not an easy group, but is um, the group is very good for Senegal. I think that now our team we have a very very nice team. No, um, Senegal have a good team. Uh, most of your players are playing week in week out in the Premier League and of course in France. Mm-hmm. W- what is the problem of Senegalese football? Uh, we we haven't seen the best of Senegal despite um, the very good players that you have. I think that we have a very good player, but Bayern doesn't have a team. Uh, in 2002, we have a team going at the World Cup and the final of Af- Afghan. Okay, the new coach Alusi say can try to build a team. When we can have a team, I think that is what we can do, do it. Fans in Senegal on their chances of qualifying for the 2018 World Cup, sounding hopeful that new coach Aliou Cisse will take them a long way. So, Solomon, Senegal did so much for the African continent when they played at the 2002 World Cup finals, with the likes of Kalilou Fadiga and El Hadji Diouf, and Cisse himself taking them to the quarterfinals, where they were beaten by Turkey. So how do you see their chances of winning this group with South Africa, Burkina Faso and Cape Verde? I definitely would tip them to really trust themselves in and, and, and compete and really qualify for the 2018 uh, you know, World Cup in, in Russia. And South Africa, who for me, they've been on the achievers the last few years and failing to qualify for the Africa Cup of Nations and Kevede Islands, which you know you can, you can never really uh, rule. But definitely, I would go with Senegal. I think Senegal, you know, on current form and also uh, the players that they have would do well if they prepare well because one of their downfalls is always you know preparation south africa with coach sheikhs mashaba i don't really see them really competing there are a lot of young players coming in and and going through right now i'm not sure they have enough uh, or they matured enough uh, for them to be able to compete and get a slot at the world cup burkina faso they're always there you know putting their hands up uh, would they be able to show the same form they showed in 2013 when they got to the final of AFCON. I, I don't know about that. And Cap Verde, never say never with them. Never really rule them out. I love them because they, of the way that they play and, and because of the fearlessness that they carry. So it's definitely going to be a very interesting uh, Group D there. So Solomon leaning towards a Senegal qualification from Group D. Well, Group B looks incredibly tough. Africa's top-ranked team, Algeria, are there, along with Nigeria, who've been to the World Cup five times, Cameroon with seven World Cup appearances, and the 2012 Nations Cup winners, Zambia. And only one of them will qualify for the World Cup in Russia. And at the 2014 World Cup, Algeria, Nigeria and Cameroon were all there. Wow. Uh, what, What a set of team we have there. The group of that, all these teams, I feel have a great chance of of making it to the finals in Russia. It's unfortunate because, uh, uh, you know, three of the teams would not be able to make it. Only one team will come out of this group. And Nigerians have 
totally lost hope in the Super Eagles. So there are talks that the Super Eagles is not even a contender, you know, in this group. Uh, Algeria currently uh, playing very well, club sides playing well, great players coming through. I will put my money on Algeria. And Cameroon also has been turning the corner in the last uh, couple of months. So would they be able to sustain it through uh, the qualifiers in, in 2017 and, and then qualify? And, and then you have Zambia also, who, who has shown some sort of consistency. Well, it's too close to call, that group, I'd say. And what do you make of the other groups? So let's look at Group A, where there's Tunisia, Libya, DR Congo and Guinea. DR Congo is currently one of the strongest teams on the continent. The last time DR Congo qualified for the World Cup it was in 1974. Uh, they became the first sub-Saharan team to qualify you know, for, for the World Cup, but uh, have not qualified since then. You know, and, and it would be great to see how, what sort of chances they have against Guinea, uh, Libya and Tunisia. Guinea will go into you know, the group phase with a bit of instability there, but, but then Tunisia, uh, for three conservative World Cups from France, 98, uh, have been there, but have not have been back since uh, the World Cup in 2006 in Germany. So they have their own opportunity right now to be able to show what they could do against their North African rivals, uh, Libya. Group C has, you know, has uh, strong teams, and but I feel uh, Cote d'Ivoire. I would consider them uh, the ones that would really be able to go through there, and uh, also they they should consider themselves lucky being in Group C against Gabon, Morocco, and Mali. Uh, even though Morocco is there, and Morocco is coached by former uh, Cote d'Ivoire coach Javi Rena, you know he knows the Ivorians very well, uh, so he's definitely going to use that to his advantage. You know he guided Ivory Coast to the 2015. Africa Cup of Nations. And finally, Group E, Ghana, Egypt, and Congo, and uh, Uganda. I, I feel it's, it's definitely going to be uh, a great uh, group to watch uh, because uh, there is uh, Egypt, uh, there is uh, Ghana there. Traditionally, they're rivals. Uh, you know, if you remember the final qualifying round for the 2014 uh, finals, so, uh, you know, Egypt take on Ghana's Black Stars for a place in, the, in Brazil and uh, and a stunning 6-1 victory in Kumasi kill off any hopes uh, for Egypt, and, and that made it difficult for them. And, and they've been trying to qualify for the World Cup, uh, you know, for the first time since 1990. That was the last time uh, Egypt qualified for the World Cup. So the two teams will again face each other. Well, we look forward to those showdowns. Thanks a lot, Solomon, and those games then start in October. And on Facebook and on WhatsApp, we're asking, do you think that Senegal can qualify for the World Cup this time? The Taranga Lions haven't been to the World Cup final since 2002. Can they make it this time? Send us your thoughts on WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, next on the show, we go to transfer news as English Premier League club Southampton have sold two African players. That's Senegal striker Sadio Mane. We heard from those Senegal fans talking about him earlier. Well, Mane is joining Liverpool after the club's agreed a transfer fee of $46 million, putting him among Liverpool's most expensive players ever. And Kenya's Victor Wanyama has joined Tottenham, who had such a good campaign last season, finishing third. Wanyama moved for $15 million. Well, our European football expert Stuart Weir joins us from the UK. Is this a good move for the two players, Stuart? 
Well, I think it's interesting, first of all, to talk about the fee. You know, is money three times as good as Wanyama? That's an interesting perspective. Southampton seem to be a selling club, as we call it, but they've finished pretty well in the Premier League for the, for the last two or three years, despite selling players. So it seems to be happening again. Of course, manager Ronald Koeman has gone as well. I think it'll be interesting to see how each of these moves works out. I mean, Wanyama is joining a Tottenham team, which arguably were the best team in the country for a lot of last season. Just didn't quite manage to hold it together right to the end of the season. But, you know, in midfield, they've got Dyer, Deli Ali, Musa Dembele, and they've been a very strong midfield group. And it'll be interesting just to see where Victor Wanyama fits into that and indeed whether he gets a starting position. Sadio Mane has won an advantage at Liverpool in that he has been on the radar of manager Klopp for some years. Apparently Klopp first saw him at the 2012 Olympics playing for Senegal and tried to sign him in Germany, failed to do that. But then, on the other hand, if you look at Liverpool, they have currently on their books five top strikers. They've got Daniel Sturridge, the English international, Roberto Firmino, the Belgian-Kenyan, Divrock Origi, Danny Ings, who has been injured but is now fit, and Christian Benteke, the other Belgian. And, you know, that's suddenly five other strikers. Are they going to sell some of those? You know, Origi and Benteke, I think, are both excellent players. They've struggled to get game time. And, uh, you know, Sadio Mane is certainly not going to walk straight into the first team with no opposition. So I think that, you know, time will tell whether the move is as successful for him in terms of playing football as opposed to his bank balance. But there we are. We'll have to see how it develops. Yes, uh, that's the big question, isn't it? Uh, Now, with uh, all the talk of more money from TV rights coming into the English Premier League this season, would you say it's surprising that the fee for Wanyama of $16 million is less than the $18 million that Southampton paid for him from Celtic uh, back in 2013? Wanyama is being reunited with his former Southampton manager Mauricio Pochettino at Tottenham, of course, but... uh, Is the fee a bit of a surprise for a player who's still only 24? Uh, Wouldn't you say that maybe he should be worth more than that? Wanyama, I would say, has not been one of the outstanding midfield players in the Premiership. And who knows what Tottenham's intentions are, but it could well be that he's being bought as a squad player. And, of course, the player will be ambitious and will see himself breaking into the first team. But it remains to be seen. One thing that I would have to mention about Wanyama is that he got three red cards last season. And, you know, that's an element of his game that he'll have to do something about. Because, for one thing, if you got a red card, you reduce your team to 10 players for the rest of the game. But also, of course, you're suspended for two or three games afterwards. So, for a player to be available only intermittently doesn't help his cause. And I think if Wanyama starts getting red card for Tottenham, it certainly won't help him to uh, displace Dyer, Deli Ali, Musa Dembele. Yes, so Victor Wanyama certainly needs to watch his discipline. A nice touch from him. He wrote this on the Southampton website saying, it's very emotional for me to say goodbye to the club that gave me the chance to become the first Kenyan to play in the Premier League. I'll never forget my time at Southampton Football Club. I'll keep the club forever in my heart. Uh, So Wanyama still has very warm feelings uh, for the Saints, Stuart. 
Yes, that's nicely put and well done him for saying it. And again, you'd have to say because Southampton have this policy of selling players, both Wanyama and Mane can ask the question, what ambitions have Southampton got? Uh, you know, they do sell their best players each year and they have not been able to stop uh, Ronald Koeman from leaving to become the manager of Everton. So just at a level of personal ambition, wanting to be with a successful club, certainly Liverpool and Tottenham are making noises about uh, wanting to win trophies and so on and, and each of them came close last season. So apart from the money, I think you could say the ambition to be at a club which is more likely to win trophies is part of the motivation and moving. But of course, as we said, the downside of that is that they may struggle for game time. You know, I remember when Wilfred Bonney moved from Swansea to Manchester City. It was a great move for him. Uh, that said, he was the most expensive African transfer. I'm sure he was getting good money, but I felt from the start, and sadly I was proved right, that he was going to struggle to hold down a regular place in the Manchester City side. And, you know, that's always the challenge for a new player joining a big club. You know, with so many strikers at Liverpool, will Mane walk into the team with such a strong midfield at Tottenham? Will Wanyama hold down a place there? We'll come back to the subject later, I'm sure. Yes, we surely will. Uh, focusing on Liverpool, Stuart, uh, Christian Benteke is a big, strong, bustling centre-forward. Uh, Sadio Mane, a very different sort of player. Uh, so perhaps uh, different players for different matches and for different situations. Well, you know, Christian Benteke is an interesting example because he was an outstanding at Aston Villa. But yet at Liverpool last year, he only got 14 starts, came off the bench 15 times, although managed to score nine goals. And I'm sure he was thinking to himself, if I score nine goals, why am I not in the first team every week? Just for comparison, uh, Sadio Mane scored 11 league goals in 30 starts at Southampton. So, you know, you could make a case that Benteke is an outstanding striker. And then, of course, you've got Origi in the wings, Sturridge. I mean, unless Klopp is intending to sell one or two of his strikers, he's going to be in the position of having six strikers who will all be thinking uh, that they should be getting game time. Well, let's hope that Sadio Mane and Victor Wanyama will make it at their new clubs in England. And now that we're in July, we can say the English Premier League starts next month. It's actually only six weeks away. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And have you downloaded our app? If you miss the show, you can listen any time on our app. To download it, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Then once you've got the app, you can listen to the show there. In fact, there are over 140 episodes of the program there on the app, all available on demand. So to download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also listen to the show on our website, that's planetsportfootballafrica.com. And you can see our pictures there in case you wonder what we all look like. Uh, the website planetsportfootballafrica.com. You can follow us on Twitter too, the handle at planetsportfa. You can keep in touch with news about the show and African football news on Twitter at planetsportfa. Still to come, part two of our profile of Didier Drogba. But now we turn to WhatsApp and to Facebook. And last week, in the first part of Stuart's profile of Ivory Coast in Chelsea great Didier Drogba, 
He highlighted the fact there were strong suggestions that Drogba would have a position on Chelsea's coaching team when he retired, but that has not happened as yet. So we asked, do you think that Drogba has what it takes to become a successful coach? And if so, where would be the best place for him to start? Well, on Facebook, Cherno Jallo from The Gambia says, Yes, I believe Drogba does have what it takes to become a good manager. Not all players can be good managers, but I believe Drogba has the zeal and enthusiasm to become one. And for me, that's the starting point. Also in The Gambia, Abdullah Soe agrees. He says, Oh, yes, Drogba can be a good coach. He only needs to focus on football lessons to do that. His profile has proved that he can lead. Now it's left to him to work on his coaching career. Lamine Yusufa Kali adds, Drogba can become a good coach. It's just a matter of being brave and taking the risks. Matar Cham in the Gambia has no doubts about Drogba's coaching potential. He says, yes, he can be a good coach because I believe he has vast experience in the game, which means he has all that it takes to be a successful manager in the near future anywhere. Ben Malik Totti and the Gambia says, sure, he'll be the Zidane of the Ivory Coast. And that's a point also picked up by Modu Saine, also in the Gambia, who says he can be a coach by starting at the youth team and develop himself as Zinedine Zidane did at Real Madrid. Ibrahim Shai Gai Sanya says, yes, I believe he can be a good coach, considering he has the experience of playing in virtually every major club competition. So all he needs is a few coaching tips, and he'll surely relay what he does on the pitch to the players he'll be coaching. On what's up, Ebrima Amber Barrow got in touch from Palermo in Italy. Good to have you with us, Ebrima. He says, yes, surely Drogba is hugely talented. He can really manage to be a splendid coach. He's got to give it a try. Alfred Mdimba in Malawi says, yes, he'll make a good coach, but only in the lower leagues in Europe or maybe in Africa. And Balong Baji in the Gambia agrees with Alfred. He says Drogba can be a good coach because he has good ideas, but to avoid a rush, his starting point should be with a club in Africa, says Balong. As Cyril Yomba makes the same point. In my own view, says Cyril, I'll say he's not yet fit to become a coach. This normally affects these legends, so don't let him rush into coaching. Let him go and do the coaching courses first and start in the championship to have experience. Later, he can face the big teams as an assistant. Look at Gary Neville and Clarence Seedorf. They both failed in coaching because of the rush. And Sana Balde is another who warns against rushing into coaching. Yes, he can become a coach. Other great players have done so, says Sana. But to me, he should concentrate on working with academy players, then under-15s or under-16s or under-17s first to get more experience. And it seems that's a view many of you agree with. Uh, Lamine Sane and the Gambia says, well, yes, Drogba can be a proven coach if he's willing to learn extensively to acquire both theoretical knowledge and practical knowledge. I believe if he wants to be a top coach, he should start at the lower levels and move slowly and step by step to the top. Saiku Balde says, well, I'm sure he can become a good coach, but not at this moment. He should start at a championship side. And finally, on this topic, Musa Kamara says, I think Drogba will be a good coach. Maybe if he can assist at Chelsea, it'll be a good start for him. 
And in other matters, Francis Tucker in the Gambia was shocked by one of the Euro 2016 results this week. Frankly speaking, says Francis, I was disappointed in England. For a small nation like Iceland, with a population of 330,000, to kick a big, big nation like England out of the Euro tournament with all their big, big names and professionals, no, I'm just shocked and disappointed, says Francis. And uh, yes,、uh, my view is that England were taking it a bit too far after Britain's decision to leave the European Union. I'm not sure that it was necessary, really, for England to leave the European Championship at that stage, too. Uh, well, it's always great to hear from you on Facebook and at WhatsApp. And this week we're asking: Do you think that Senegal will qualify for the World Cup this time? The only time they qualified was in 2002 when they reached the quarterfinals. Can they do it this time? They're in Group D with South Africa, Burkina Faso, and Cape Verde. Can they top that group? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. And now let's focus more on Didier Drogba, undoubtedly one of Africa's all-time greats and voted as Chelsea's greatest ever player by the fans. Last week, Stuart told us how Drogba moved to France at a young age, and that he only joined a top club, Marseille, at the age of 24. Also, we heard that Drogba says that hard work took him to where he is more than his talent. In this second and final part of Stuart's profile of Drogba, he focuses on Drogba's faith and his charitable work. The book includes quite a lot about Didier Drogba's faith in God, the fact that he prays and feels that God answers his prayers. He says, for example, that goal celebrations for him are always instinctive, but his first thought is to thank God for enabling him to score. At other times, he says openly that he prays that he will be able to score. In the World Cup in 2014, Ivory Coast needed to draw with Greece to qualify for the knockout stage. With the score one all, Greece got a penalty. And Drogba writes in the book: "Sadly, my prayers that day were not answered because Samaras slaughtered his penalty home to give Greece the win and their first qualification." For the knockout stages of the tournament, he says that during games he's very aware of God. I spent my time praying, asking God to help me, asking Him to show me what to do. People may be surprised at how often this happens, but my faith drives everything I do on and off the pitch. I really believe there is someone helping me, not just to be a better player, but to be a better person. I was brought up. Going to church, and God has always been in my life. As a young man, I was not practicing going to church, but my belief in the power of God never left me. Drogba set up his own foundation, the Didi Drogba Foundation. The aim is to provide support for the Ivorian people and vulnerable Africans in the field of health and education. And writing of his motivation, he says that he and his wife. Know that when things are unacceptable, we have a duty to help. In 2007, he made the decision to donate all his commercial earnings to the foundation, and he has continued to do so ever since, according to the book. In addition to his own foundation, he is a United Nations goodwill ambassador, particularly involved in their development program. Two years ago, he became involved in the fight against malaria. 
and helping West Africa recover from Ebola. He is also involved in the Zanani Mandela campaign, called after the granddaughter of the former South African president who was killed in a road accident. As Drogba points out, more children in Africa actually die in road accidents than from AIDS or malaria. The campaign aims simply to improve road safety for children. In Ivory Coast, he has worked for peace, trying to unite the north and south of his country. He was instrumental in having a World Cup qualifier against Madagascar played away from Abidjan in Buaki, a traditional rebel stronghold. By playing there, Drogba and his team were showing that they represented the whole of Ivory Coast, not just the ruling faction or one part of the country. Didier Drogba is a world-class footballer, but as we have shown, he is a great deal more than that, with wide interests and a real desire to give something back to the world that has given him so much. Very interesting. Well, thank you so much for that, Stuart. Uh, That's it for the show for this week. But on WhatsApp and on Facebook, we're asking, do you think that Senegal can qualify for the World Cup this time? We focused on the Taranga Lions earlier on the show. They haven't been to the World Cup since 2002 when they reached the quarterfinals and did a lot for the African continent. So can they make it this time? They're in a group with South Africa, Burkina Faso and Cape Verde. Can they top that group to qualify for the 2018 World Cup finals in Russia? Send us your thoughts on WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. From East Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashoms in Nigeria, and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks so much for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.